morning. Good morning to the friendliest church. That, uh, well, it's not about competing, right? But I have a confession as well. I too forgot my paper Bible today. I set it on the counter and then uh, proceeded to leave it at home. So forgive me, I'll be reading from my phone as well. I'm really blessed to be here with you guys. The, you know, I, I love that the Lord is a Lord who honors. And this is one of the qualities that, one of the many qualities, but among the many qualities that I have seen in JB's life, your pastor, uh, a man who honors well. And I likewise want to honor Pastor JB, his wife, honor you as Thrive Church. Thank you for your place in the city. Yeah. Let's pray, and we're going to go into the Word together. There's lots that I'd love to cover. And, you know, as always, we, we say, Lord, here's what we've prepared, and would you highlight what you want to what are the themes, what are the, the places that you want to meet in our hearts? Those avenues and those branches that will best serve those present. So Father, we just say that we're here for you. We say, Lord, that you are worthy, Jesus, of all of who we are. Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, and we do it gratefully, Lord, because of who you are. We say there is no one like you. You alone are worthy of our praise. Father, we bless you for your living word, unlike any other. We thank you that your word transforms us. We thank you that your word does not return void, God, empty. It accomplishes what you send it forth to do. And we say, Lord, our trust this morning is not in a preacher, but is in your word. Your holy, eternal word, God, immutable, unchangeable and yet changes us, transforms us. So Lord, would you transform us, God, through the renewing of our minds by your word? Would you wash us with your word, God? Father, I thank you that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm asking you, Father God, to increase our faith, Lord, as we together walk this faith journey, Lord, whatever place, God, in that journey that we're on, in this pilgrimage, Father, that we walk together, would you increase our faith, Lord? Grace us, Lord, as Pastor JB said, Lord, with God-honoring faith. Lord, you say clearly that without faith, it's impossible to please you. And we, so we thank you the reverse is true, that faith pleases you. And Lord, we long to please you, God. We thank you that we're pleasing to you through Jesus. But now as sons and daughters, we want to walk, Lord, live a life worthy of the calling we've received. So increase our faith, Father. We stand on your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been privileged to... Um, Watch some of the videos from this series. It's been interesting to me to see the, I delight to see this actually, the ways that, you know, God speaks to us individually, but yet brings the same message. You know, I'm listening to Pastor Tim, listening to Pastor Boz, listening to Pastor JB, and it's like some of these same themes that the Lord's speaking to us because he's a living God, amen, who speaks to us. Would you stand with me? We're going to read through portions of the Gospel of John in chapter 14 and 15. Beginning in verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. 
Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now I'm going to jump to chapter 15. The Lord says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Well, my desire this morning is to, Paul writes this in the beginning of the book of Romans. You may be seated. Thank you. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And I love this. He says, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Amen. May that be true this morning, that we're mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know, this is part of our faith journey is that we walk it together. Amen. The Lord has called us as a family. And it's one of the the beautiful things and blessings, actually, to travel to some degree across the nation, serve in different places, um, to a small degree to travel overseas and to walk with the body of Christ. We're a family, and the Lord knits our hearts. Amen. Those who were minutes ago strangers are really family. So these two chapters that we read through in John chapter 14 and 15, we have two of the, what are known as the I am sayings of John, the Gospel of John, is centered around these sayings. And specifically, I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus says, in 14.6, and I am the true vine, we just read in chapter 15. This portion of the faith journey message, I want to focus on the person of God revealed in Christ. Because our faith journey is with a person, amen? When we talk about this journey of faith, it's that we're walking with someone. We're walking with Jesus. And so, to give you a brief overview, by the grace of God, we'll talk this morning about the need for sound doctrine, to know who this God really is that we're walking with. To see God's goodness as we sang this morning and how we can give ourselves then to him, we can entrust ourselves to him because of his incredible faithfulness to us. The good news this is for us. That we can make decisions as we wait on God, as we trust him. The importance of repentance and rest. That God calls us into peace with him. And that part of our ongoing journey is that 
you know, even as we just prayed that we allow him to transform us, and that process involves our repentance. God's desire for us, as we just read in John 15, is fruitfulness. It's a beautiful promise. If we abide in him and his words remain in us, we will bear much fruit. It's a beautiful promise. Right? As Pastor JB led us in, the things that this word says about us are true. And this pro- the promises in this word are true for us. It's a beautiful promise, fruitfulness. And it's a promise that involves, in a real way, you know, there's tensions in the kingdom, aren't there? It involves both our effort and our arrest. We make an effort, make every effort, right, to, a, to abide in him, to pursue him, and yet understanding that the work is being done by the Lord in us. He will bear fruit through our lives if we'll abide in him. And so there's great trust in that. And this is really the key theme of my message is faith equals trust, right? When we talk about a faith journey, we're talking about trusting someone. We're not, we're not relying on conjuring up our own faith. We're saying we trust in a person. And that person is Jesus, Jesus who perfectly reveals the Father. I'll say as a second confession, lots of confessions already, I forgot my paper Bible. I also personally, I tend to, (laughs) my radar tends to go up when sermons involve too much of the preacher talking about themselves. It's sort of just one of my things. I, when I hear messages I long to hear about God. I long to hear about Jesus. And yet, I think the balance in that is to acknowledge that we're, we're challenged and built up by one another's stories, amen, by the testimonies of what God has done in our own lives. And so I hope to do that this morning um, to share how I've come to know the faithfulness of the Lord in my life, in our life, Regan and I as a couple. But ultimately, the journey, the faith journey, it centers, just as this message will, in Scripture and pointing to the Lord. Uh, in the first message in this series, Pastor JB rightly pointed out that our decisions matter. Amen? The decisions we make matter this. When we talk about our the journey of our life, the journey of our faith, the decisions that we make matter. And we can think immediately of, you know, the most significant decisions. Um, who should I marry? Right? An important decision. I can remember well being a young single man, praying, praying, praying. <laughs> God, bring the right one. Show me the right one. These are important decisions, right? Work, direction for our family, finances, right? Key concerns for most of us. And yet, the day-by-day decisions that may not seem as urgent or enormous yet actually are tremendously important because the decisions we make day-by-day are going to generate the life that we'll live, amen? Right? Our life is made up of nothing more than the decisions we make day after day after day. And there, you know, there comes a time when Abraham Lincoln, I believe, said, um, every man after the age of 40 is responsible for his own face. <laughs> what he meant by that is our character is going to be developed, right? By the, there's things that are imposed on us just by our upbringing, right? Things that are out of our control. Where we were born, the circumstances, our level of wealth or poverty. But the decisions that we begin to make and continue to make over our life, we're responsible for those. And it's actually going to determine how we spend our life. So the way that day by day we walk through our lifestyle, and this is where I want to, bring at the end of this message this back to is the crucial importance of the rhythms of our lives. Because as we walk this journey of faith, as we look to abide in the Lord and let him lead us, it's really going to come down to nothing more spectacular than the rhythms that we live with. Amen? 
the ways that we orbit around the Lord. If we truly see him as the center of all, then we'll orbit our lives around him. And those rhythms in turn will allow the Lord, give the Lord room, avenue in us to produce the fruit he wants to. So as JB shared, the, this past year has been a significant one for us where in our faith journey, we responded to the Lord to an invitation to serve him uh, across the nation on the east coast of Canada and New Brunswick to pastor a church and to co-lead a house of prayer. And as you can imagine, that was no small decision for us, leaving family, leaving friends, leaving work, leaving a church that we had been part of for 20 years by God's grace. Not a small decision. Um, Regan laughed when she heard the um, sermon series title. You know, we, we literally made a faith journey over this past year across the nation. And, uh, you know, the twist in the story is that around Easter of this year, the Lord called me back, uh, which was unexpected in terms of in the going. We expected to be there for many years. So it was a beautiful time. It was a fruitful time by God's grace. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to share testimonies about that. The, I don't know if time will permit, but ways that the Lord laid foundations in the church, ways that the Lord impacted lives. Um, a beautiful young woman who, as many are in our day and age, was um, struggling deeply with past abuse issues, who had gone into a lot of confusion concerning sexuality, right? Issues that are very real. And the grace from God to respond to his word and to align herself with what he said about her, right? And her testimony saying, it would have been, she said, I, I, I know you were called here for more reasons than this, but it would have been worth it if it was only for me, right? Isn't that beautiful? Like the grace of God, this is what the Lord desires to do in us, to bear fruit through us as we abide in him. So it was a, it was a beautiful time. It was a fruitful time by his grace. And even, I would say somewhat unusually, we had the grace to see immediately some of the fruit. We don't always get to do that, right? Right, as we serve the Lord, we sow, and we look to do that faithfully, but we don't always see those results. We pray, we don't always see those results. It doesn't mean the Lord has not heard us. But we had the privilege of seeing some of the fruit quickly, and I think that was just a kindness from Jesus. But then he called back, and so here we are, returned to the West Coast for now, um, and really in the midst of the faith journey ourselves, Lord, what's next? And trusting him in the midst of that, right? In the place of peace and rest, the space that he opens up. So literally following Jesus, leaving things behind. And, you know, this is the call of us as disciples of Jesus, isn't it? When you read the accounts in the Bible of the first apostles, the first disciples, they were called to leave everything and follow Jesus, right? Our journey of faith, again, is we're following a person, the person of the Lord. And the good news for us is that we too are invited on that faith journey. The first apostles, first disciples weren't chosen because they had particular qualities. They, you know, it was the grace of God. They were ordinary men and women like you and I are. They had their respective gifts as you and I do. And we too are called to follow the Lord Jesus as they were. We too respond, listen, and obey. So all of us are on the same faith journey. So again, to highlight this, what I believe is a key point, I submit this to you, that faith is trust. J.I. Packer, a very well-respected theologian, uh, living here in the Vancouver area for many years and teaching at Regent College from England originally, his definition of faith is trustful, 
committed reliance, which I love, faithful, trustful, committed reliance. And again, it, it, it speaks to, it implies that we're trusting in someone. We're committing ourselves, we're relying on someone. So trust is having confidence in someone's character. Biblical faith is believing into, not just believing, but believing into. It's giving ourselves, entrusting ourselves to someone. An illustration of this that's from many years ago is, it's a difference between, you know, uh, Niagara Falls in Canada. You've been there. I know my dear friend, Mr. Lee, his wife Kelly, have traveled there. I've seen a trapeze walker go across the falls, and then trapeze walker going across the falls, pushing a wheelbarrow, right? We can believe that can happen, but believing into is getting into the wheelbarrow as the trapeze artist pushes you across, right? There's a difference, isn't there, right? It's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to, <laughs> do I get in it? Do I believe into it? So biblical faith is, it's believing into, trusting in a person, Jeremiah 17 is among many passages that say things similar to this. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. So we trust in the Lord. We wait on his timing. How do we come to know this person who is God? And this is the the intersection, the crucial intersection, I think, of theology and reality. Theology matters, amen? Theology is simply what we believe to be true about God, right? Our thoughts about God. A.W. Tozer, a great man of faith and prayer, wrote, what we think about when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I agree. What we think about God, when we think about God, it's the most important thing about us. Because who is our trust in? Who are we placing our trust in? Who is this God that we're believing into? Which God is it? You know, you read through Scripture and you'll see clearly, uh, we were just reading through this yesterday, my wife and I, the Bible is filled not so much with people who don't believe in God, but with people who believe in small g gods. And the Lord is saying, he is the one true living God. Right? This is the account of Exodus. This is, this is the account of Jesus coming, proclaiming as we just read in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. So sound doctrine is a crucial need, I believe, for the church. I felt so impressed and burdened by this. I preach frequently on this on the East Coast. And I would say, in humility, it's one of the prayers I pray most often. I serve with a, a wonderful ministry called Red Leaf Multiply. We pray for the Church of Canada, a, a national intercessory ministry. And really, this is one of the primary prayers we pray for the Church of Canada, the small, uh, the big C church, right, of Canada, is for sound doctrine. First Timothy 4, verses 9 through 16, say this. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, that That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is Paul writing to Timothy, his protege. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And he says this, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Here's the beautiful promise. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's critical. 
right? We'll save ourselves in this journey of faith. There's a, a persevering required for us. Again, the tension of we're saved by grace, but we and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Watch your life and doctrine closely, the Lord says to us. And not only save ourselves, but our hearers. And again, isn't that our desire to be fruitful, right? To, to, to bring the life, the real life, and kingdom of God to those around us. So sound doctrine is crucial. To know who, who God really is. I reflect on lines like, he also made the stars, as you read the account of creation in Genesis. It's almost a throwaway line, right? The Lord created, the Lord created. He also made the stars. Simple little sentence. This is our God, right? Balls of gas blazing in the galaxy. He also made the stars, right? Doctrine points us to who the Lord is. From Genesis, first things we learn who God is and how he made us, how he made us male and female, right? Critical points in our day and age. The Lord tells us who we are. He's not confused, and he has clarity for us as well. So what we believe matters. What we believe about God matters. What we believe about ourselves matters. Jeremiah 9 says, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this that they have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. A saint of past has said, the reason why God is so great a lover of humility is because he is the great lover of truth. And humility is nothing but truth. Amen? Humility is seeing things the way they are. It's not... Humility sometimes perhaps we wrongly associate with sort of groveling in the dust, but humility is really just, we see things the way that God sees them, the way that things are. And from that root virtue, we grow to become more like the Lord. The only way we know anything about God is because he is self-revealing. This is part of his goodness to us. The Lord wants to be known by us. He reveals himself to us. And he wants that revelation, that revealing, to move just from our knowledge to our hearts. Amen. Our orthodoxy, our right belief, leads to orthopraxy, to right practice, that we live a certain way because we've encountered this God. So God shows himself to us. He does that through creation. He does that through conscience, the book of Romans tells us. He does that primarily through his word. But he reveals himself perfectly to us through Jesus. Hebrews 1 says this plainly. says, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is the perfect revealing, the revelation of God to us. So we look to Jesus. Again, practical applications of our faith journey were, I heard Pastor JB say this to you recently, get in the word. Amen. Meditate on the word. Allow the, Lord, the, the word to soak through us, you know, to work through us, the Jesus says himself that the kingdom of heaven, it's like yeast that works its way all through the dough, right? There's this idea of it's going deeper and deeper. It's transforming all of us. So we get the word in us, and we, we keep going to the word again and again and again. We allow the living word to transform us. We look at Jesus, and we see who God really is. We need to know who he really is. There are counterfeits, amen? We need to know who the Lord really is. A false god and a false gospel won't sustain us through the tragedies and trials of life. 
right, in our faith journey that you and I are certain to walk through, right? I wish that weren't true, but that's the reality it is. We will walk through hard things. The Lord's promised us this. In this world, we will have trouble. And a, a lesser God, which is really no God at all, a lesser gospel, it won't sustain us. But the beautiful news is that Jesus can. He will. A real Jesus will walk us through. So we look at Jesus. We look at his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Jesus shows us God and he shows us ourself. He shows us the bad news, our need for him, so that we can appreciate and gratefully receive the good news of the gospel. God reveals himself through scripture, through tradition, through creeds. You know, part of the reason that the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, etc., they're given simply as reminders of this is who God is. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty, right? These are reminders for us who God is. There's a song that I love from years ago from an artist, Rich Mullins, if you know that name. He sings in a song called Creed, basically singing through the Apostles' Creed and then says, I did not make it, but it is making me. It's the very truth of God, not the invention of any man. So God, deliver us from wrong views of you, which we all have. <laughs> you have them and I have them. We have wrong views of who the Lord is. But he wants to reveal himself to us. How can we journey with the Lord if we don't know what it is that he loves and what it is that he hates? Amen? How can we journey with the Lord without knowing those things so we allow him to show us who he is in his beauty, in his goodness? We allow him to reveal his unfailing love. I've been meditating on this a lot over these last months, this so often repeated phrase through scripture, the unfailing love of God, the chesed in Hebrew, his steadfast, loyal love. Psalm 23, I'm not going to read through this, but it, you know, it's a beautiful picture of the love and the care of the Lord as our shepherd. He leads us. He guides us. He restores us. And it's personal. You know, a, a comment on this that was interesting. As you read through Psalm 23, it's personal. And we're called to a common faith together. Amen. We walk with the body of Christ. But there's a reality where we need to know the Lord ourselves too. Right? At the end of our lives, we'll, forgive me for sounding morbid, but like we'll die alone. <laughs> right? I, I walk through life with others, but, but we will die alone. Like there's, there's a reality where we ourselves need to know the Lord ourselves. Praise God that you are part of a welcoming, Bible-believing, um, God-honoring church. It's such a blessing. But the faith of your pastor can't take the place of your faith, amen? Your trust, your knowledge of this God, his care for you, right? That's the difference between God, you're so good, and you're so good to me, amen? The Lord longs for us to know his goodness towards us to lead us in our faith journey and yes together it's not it's both it's not replacing the one it never does hear me rightly i love the church <laughs> thank you god for the church i wouldn't be here if it were not for the church but we need in the midst of that context to have a relationship ourselves to know the lord's kindness and again he's self-revealing the only reason we know god is because he wants to be known by us i mean we could just meditate we could just stop there <laughs> drop the mic the only reason we know God is because he wants to be known by us. Oh, the kindness of God. He wants us to know him. He wants to encounter us. That we too would know his unfailing love. And out of that, then we entrust ourselves to Jesus. We can entrust ourselves to the one that we know his character. Amen? God, I can trust you. 
Even when I don't understand, I can trust you, right? Even through cancer battles, we can trust you. Even through miscarriages, the loss of children, we can trust you. Even through moving across the nation, we can trust you. Moving back, oh, we can trust you. We can trust you, God. Trust is the greatest expression of worship, our, our greatest expression of worship. This is a, a phrase I heard in a worship song, I actually was, I was flying to England to participate in a, a small team of us of prayers from this ministry. We went to visit sites of revival in Wales to pray for Canada. And in the midst of this journey there, I heard this worship song over and over as I was flying. And it was saying, trust is our greatest expression of worship. And it was one of those phrases that stuck with me. Yeah, we, you think of the Lord Jesus who expresses his trust of, to the Father, even unto going to the cross, right? Praying in agony, Father, if there's any other way, right, take this cup from me. But yet, not as I will, but as you will. He trusts the Father. He entrusted himself perfectly to the Father. He calls us, he demonstrates that and calls us to the same. Trust is our greatest expression of worship. And this trust will be tested, right? Make no mistake, our trust in God will be tested. In small ways, you know, when I landed in England in that particular trip, worshiping the Lord is a beautiful flight. Had a actually a cool encounter with uh, someone who was sitting beside me who happened uh, providentially to have just returned from um, what we used to call Wednesday Night Live. It uh, was renamed something else. I'm forgetting the name of it right now. But uh, basically a college-age ministry to uh, show Jesus to people. It was founded years and years ago by a dear friend of ours, uh, Pastor Darwin, who's since gone to be with the Lord. And this young woman who was returning to England had just happened to be at this event the night before. So we're talking about the Lord. Great flight. Hearing this phrase, trust is our greatest expression of worship. And I landed in England. I uh, took a train to one of the largest train stations, I think, in the world, uh, Victoria Station. And uh, Regeneration is the name, thank you, of that ministry. I landed and I promptly realized in the midst of this train station that I had lost my passport. And, uh, you know, again, small-scale stakes in the big scheme of life, but uh, not a happy discovery. And, you know, all I could hear was, trust is our greatest expression of worship. Like, the Lord, he knows this, but can I trust him in this moment, right? The temptation is to go, (laughs) well, how would you say it? The temptation is to fear. The temptation is to be stressed. The temptation is to freak out. The temptation is to, um, you know, try to, what can I do to fix this? Trust the Lord. It's a longer story, but in God's grace and providence, he ended up leading me back to a particular person at a particular place in the station who happened to call another particular friend who happened to have my passport in his hand. This is the providence of God, right? The, but, but really the battle in this was trust is our greatest expression. Can I trust the Lord in this? Right? That's a small thing. What about when tragedy strikes? What about when people die? Uh, in our time on the East Coast, we had a young leader, a worship leader, really wonderful, gifted young woman who had just moved there to serve and serve with her sister. She was diagnosed with a very, very aggressive cancer, and she passed away, actually, in just a matter of a month or so. Can we trust the Lord right, in the midst of those things? To be clear, the Lord doesn't cause tragedy, but can we trust his sovereignty, trust his hand in the midst of it? Our adversary, the devil, is an accuser. He'll accuse us to God, and he'll accuse God to us. Right? You can't trust God. 
Trust is our greatest expression of worship. When we know him, we grow in trusting him. The God who cares for us, who hears us, who suffered along with us, amen? This is Jesus. We choose to worship. We choose to declare like Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. This is our gospel. You know, our gospel has to be rereading its 25 years since the Rwandan genocide in Africa. Like our gospel has to be strong enough for these types of things, amen? The gospel isn't just that the Lord is going to make our lives easy and he's going to bless us with success in our business and we'll always be healthy and we'll always be happy. It's like this is a real gospel that really transforms the world and has for thousands of years and it's a gospel that is unstoppable, amen? The church of Jesus Christ has never been put down or never stayed down, perhaps better to say it, just like the Lord himself. And we need a gospel like this. We need a God that we can trust like this, who's strong enough to bring forgiveness and reconciliation to sufferers of genocide. This is our gospel. It's not a light thing that he's entrusted with us. I'm going to try to wrap up here with a few things, a few final points. There's obviously so much to say about a vast topic like this. I'm a person who likes to say lots. Because I love that we can grow in knowing who God is, amen? We can, love, we can grow in encountering the love of God ourselves. We can grow in discovering the beauty of God. We can grow in our faith. And then we have the blessing, actually. We get to share that with others. Like, it's an incredible privilege we have to walk with the Lord. Part of the beauty of Jesus is that as we entrust ourselves to him, that he'll entrust himself to us. You know, and this is the the title of my message, Faith, Trust, and Friendship with God. And this is really, you know, the, the goal of our faith is the Lord desires us to be friends. You know, we're adopted into his family, but he desires to walk with us also as friends. He calls us to wait on him as an expression of our trust as we make decisions. Nikki Gumbel rightly says that we tend to speed up when we don't know when we're going. But the Lord calls us to wait, to slow down, to listen for him. And there's these things that we'll never know if we never try. Amen? You know, if we, if we never wait for the Lord's deliverance, if we never wait for the Lord's provision, if we never wait for the Lord's leading, we'll never know what could have been. Too often we try to take things into our own hands. But the Lord, he, again, he wants to show himself to us. He wants us to know him as a faithful father who provides for us. Right? So we don't have to, I mean, he says clearly to us, doesn't he? Um, why do you worry? Right? Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. If God provides for them, clothes them, feeds them, how much more will he care for us? If we never wait for God's providence, provision, we'll never know his faithfulness the way we might have. Repentance and rest, what can we say about this very briefly? Well, Isaiah 30 says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance and rest are gifts to us. That we remain, as Billy Graham's, one of his sons said about him at his memorial service, that we would be available, teachable, and humble. Amen. We walk this life with God 
There is no journey of faith with Jesus if we do not embrace humility. I think, based on scripture, I can say that authoritatively. There is no journey of faith with Jesus without humility. Because we must see who he is and who we are not in comparison with Jesus. And our need to be transformed to be like him. And so repentance is such a gift to us. We get to be changed. God, you know my sins. Forgive me my sins. You know, back to rhythms of life, I alluded to the, it's not by accident that the primary prayer, certainly not the only prayer, but the Lord Jesus gives us what we know is the Lord's prayer. Father in heaven, right? We're, we're seeing him. Hallowed be your name. Let your name be honored, loved, revered. Your kingdom come, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Daily confession, part of our rhythms of bringing ourselves to the Lord, allowing the Lord to heal us, make us whole, renew us, make us more like himself. The gifts of rhythms. Friendship with God is, Scripture says, reserved for those who fear him. And as we read in these John passages, Jesus says over and over again, if you obey my commands, right? I reflect on this, it's, a, it's an unusual relationship. It's a relationship like, unlike any other, amen? Where Jesus is a friend to us. He's a faithful friend to us like no other. But he says, You'll, you can be my friends, you are my friends, if you obey me. What an invitation and yet a challenge to us, amen? It's on his terms. He is the Lord. If you obey me. And when you look at the faith journey of the first apostles, the early disciples, you see that, this journey of faith is internal as much as it is external, amen? We're being transformed in this journey. And you see this of the early disciples that, you know, uh, John and his brother, they're, they're known as the son, sons of thunder, right? Call, call down fire, Lord, on this city that doesn't receive you the way that we think they should. Lord, you know, asking their mom to ask Jesus, can we sit at your right hand? You know, there's these mixed motives. <laughs> they're on a journey. They, they don't see Jesus or understand him rightly. Peter, who is filled with self-confidence, right? Lord, all these other guys, they'll betray you, but not me. And we see this transformation in their internal faith journey, amen, as the Lord transforms them. And he'll do the same for us. Friendship with God, a beautiful invitation. I'll wrap up with this. To simply encourage us in our rhythms. It's not... I thank God for, you know, the, the mountaintop moments, you know, sort of these things that the Lord leads us to. But primarily our faith is going to be made up of the day by day, again, as we said earlier, the rhythms with God, our daily pursuit of God. It'll form and fashion our entire life. And as we saw in John 15, as we abide in Jesus, as his words remain in us, this is the place of fruitfulness. As we pray the Bible, right, we read the Bible and then we pray the Bible back to the Lord. A simple and a time-tested practice in our walk with the Lord. The Lord wants to lead us by his peace. You know, one of our, one of our marks as we made the significant decision to move and to return was the Lord says clearly in his word that he'll lead us by his peace. And so we determined, Lord, we're going to be led by peace. We're not going to strive to make something happen. We're not going to fret about it. We're going to allow your peace to come. 
And he does that. Piece by piece, like a puzzle, he gave us the next steps. And he led us by his peace. The peace of God that passes understanding. And that peace comes as we surrender ourselves to him. Where we give up our own ways. We trust the one who is faithful. And we say, frankly, Lord, we're yours. You know, one of the challenges I'd like to leave with you this morning is to allow the Lord to lead us to deeper places of surrender where we too are saying, Lord, we'll go anywhere, we'll do anything. Again, in this faith journey, are we allowing him to lead us as the Lord? Or are we simply saying, Lord, bless what I'm doing? There's a big difference. And there's, again, that this place where we'll come to know the Lord as we say, Jesus, I see who you are and that you reveal the Father. I trust you. And so I surrender to you, right? I entrust myself to you. And you can have my life and do with it what you will. Take me where you will. Give you my time, my talents, my treasure. What can't the Lord do with people like that? Amen. And I pray that you are people like that. I'd like to pray this blessing over you. This is a a scriptural prayer that I return to often, and I, I love it because it combines, I think, this idea of it's good theology, it's, it's scripture, it's sound doctrine. It's a prayer for guidance. I'd say even a prayer for success, but with the, the needed balance of committing our ways to the Lord. This is from Second Thessalonians 2. And Paul prays this. He says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, and I pray this for you, Thrive Church, that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness, in your every deed prompted by faith. There's the healthy balance, I think, there. Our every deed prompted by faith. It's not just anything. It's what are those things the Lord is saying, leading us to. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. And this is the point of everything, isn't it? We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for hearing these prayers. God, I pray that you would lead us as you did your son Jesus in the power of the Spirit, Father. You would lead us to proclaim good news to the poor. You would send us, God, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, God, recover his sight for the blind. Lord, that we would be partners with you in setting the oppressed free and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. God, as we too bring this gospel, Lord, to all nations, God, making disciples of them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in your name. And I thank you, Lord, for your word to take root and take effect in us.